B-Pod Studios. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on Backstagecountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. We're here, hello from the Town Fair Tire Studio, Gaspar and Murray, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, all present and accounted for, myself, Chris Gasper, Brian, Rob, behind the glass. And you, if you want to join us, 617-779-0985. The phone number, Patriots offseason coming a bit more into focus, I feel like, this week. Coaching staff starting to round out, Chris, Demarcus Covington, promoted to defensive coordinator, Jeremy Springer, not Jerry, serving as special teams coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, going to be the offensive coordinator. I feel like I'm the only not one. Not Scott that- Van Pelt. Uh, not Scott Van Pelt, yeah. not Lucy Van Pelt, <laughs> Alex Van Pelt, uh, who does, and now I can't get it out of my mind. Uh, Felger keeps getting them confused with Freddie Kitchens, a.k.a. Freddie Kittens. Oh, they do kind of look a little they look alike. Just, they look like thumbs. They're human thumbs. They look almost exactly the same. They were both uh, part of the staff of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Easy to get them uh, confused. But I feel like I'm the only one that's not mad about that. I'm I'm not pumped, but I look at it like, okay, he's at least worked with quarterbacks. He's worked in the league. He's been an offensive coordinator. Didn't call plays much, but, you know. It's better than what some of the alternatives were. Like, I wasn't pumped about the thought of, um, you know, the uh, tight ends coach of the Rams coming back here after the sabbatical. Nick Cayley. Nick Cayley after the one year. Uh, uh, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston's called it like a year abroad. Like, eh, I don't know. Give me someone that's worked with quarterbacks. Alex Van Pelt has worked with quarterbacks. So, uh, something there. So, it led me to believe. So, now, maybe I can start to get mad like everybody else about it. Because I feel like, well, if they're going to get a guy that's worked with quarterbacks, ostensibly that means they're going to use the number three overall pick on a quarterback. Hmm? Yes? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, now we're getting a little bit more insight into the upcoming draft. What the Patriots may do with that third overall pick. Reading from uh, Jeff Howe of The Athletic this morning. Starting to, uh, this is starting to percolate on the internets. Specifically Twitter. Not calling it X. Uh, from Jeff Howe on the Patriots GM search. He writes today. Head coach Gerard Mayo, from Mobile, by the way. Head coach Gerard Mayo began reaching out to candidates shortly after he was hired. It seems likely a new voice will be added to the personnel department, but that role or title is still anyone's guess. In-house candidates, Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh, have also been under consideration. If it's Wolf running the show, and here's the key point, this is what's blowing up the Internet. If it's Wolf running the show, expect the Patriots to give a long, hard look at drafting with the number three pick. Oh, a left tackle. <laughs> Whether the Patriots name an official general manager, they will tab someone to run the department. It's viewed as an attractive job opening. They'll have a blank slate with a new head coach and owner, Robert Kraft, who is highly regarded as uh, by league executives. That feels like PR spin at the end there. All due respect to Jeff. So, number three pick. 
Left tackle? And I know, uh, is it Fashanu? Uh, it's Joel, Olu Fashanu. Those guys are, are you know regarded as possible top 10 picks. Uh, obviously a position of need for the Patriots. And if you feel like maybe you can get the quarterback, you guys were all aboard the Michael Penix train. And uh, I like Michael Penix too, but I like him a lot better at the end of the first round or the top of the second than when you guys were talking about him after the Texas game, the CFP national semifinal as like a top three pick. That's that's not what he is. But if you got a franchise left tackle and Michael Penix, you did it that way, I'm I'm not mad at it. Sure, if left tackle became this left tackle, whether it's all um, whoever they need, the, uh, it's uh, the Fashanu, right? Is Olo Fashanu. Olo yeah. Fashanu. If one of those guys is the next Joe Thomas, Jonathan Ogden, then fine. And you're telling me you're also going to get a quarterback, you know, early second round. Maybe you trade for Justin Fields. I guess I can live with that. I still, even though I don't love any of these quarterbacks that are probably going to be there for them at three, whether that's. Jaden Daniels out of LSU, Drake May, UNC. I do like the unknown of drafting the quarterback. It's why I was at the time. I was like, okay. I wasn't hot on Mac Jones. Felt like he was drafted too high. Um, but, you know, I like the unknown uh, of drafting that position. This is the highest they've drafted since Drew Bledsoe. That's right. Get the quarterback, and I'll learn to hate him if he sucks. Um, <laughs> maybe this is the more prudent way to go about it, but I feel like, I don't, I don't know, left tackle or even trading out of it. I've seen all these other permutations. Yeah, so, I just feel like you're that high. Take the quarterback. Well, here's what I would I would say. I, I would not take any of the tackles at three because I think there are other teams that are going to want specific players, whether it's one of the quarterbacks or Marvin Harrison Jr. You could trade down, get more draft capital, and get the the tackle. So that's what I would do. I, I, I'm a little surprised that Jeff's saying they would take the guy at three, and, and I think they would play the board a little bit rather than just draft him at three. But let me ask you this. Are you at this point with three quarterback or bust? Or if let's say it's Marvin Harrison Jr., are you more amenable to that than a tackle if that's what they do? Or you feel like you're up this high, you gotta take a quarterback? Um I feel you're up this high. If yeah, gun to my head if I have to make a choice. You're up this high, you take a quarterback. And I know, look, it's a crapshoot and more often than not these guys turn out to be busts. And I think there's major question marks with all of these guys. And it's funny too, even someone like Caleb Williams, who looked like this generational pick the way he was being talked about prior to the college season last year. Now it's like there's real question marks about him. Um so yeah, no, I but still yeah, I like rolling those dice. You got to throw the old yeah. rod into the pond and hope that you hit. And I know it's, again, it's a big crapshoot, but you, you got a better chance of winning the lottery if you play it, so play it by taking the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I probably at this point, it depends on who it is. Here's what I would say. If it's Drake May, who's the third one, then I'm taking him because I think people are too down on him. You know, again, to your point at the start of the season about Caleb Williams, at the start of the season with Drake May, People were saying, well, you know, Drake May is going to give Caleb Williams a run for his money for the first overall pick. I understand the season wasn't what people expected, but I think you have to look at the circumstances. Didn't have a lot of weapons there because Tez Walker didn't get cleared by the NCAA until about halfway through the season. Offensive line wasn't good. Uh, I would take him if it's Jaden Daniels, who I like, and I like Jaden Daniels, but I think he's less NFL ready than Williams or May. And then I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Because I think, again, he's a, you know, generational type wide receiver uh, in fact mel kuyper jr in his latest ranking said that marvin harrison jr is the highest scouted rated wide receiver he's had on his board since uh calvin johnson oh wow and larry fitzgerald yeah and those were can't miss yeah prospects. so it's like if that's what you're getting like give me that guy especially for a team that needs a ton of weapons and then let me ask you this one too i was thinking about this on the car ride in to the show you know, because I leave so early and have so much time. Um, on the car ride into the show, 
what if they what if the quarterback is not through the draft? What if it's Russell Wilson or Justin Fields? I know Phil Perry's floated that out there trading for for Justin Fields if the Bears end up taking Caleb Williams at one. What if it you jump in with all the money you have to burn with Kirk Cousins or the Cardinals move off Kyler Murray? I'm just saying there might be some other uh, or look, what if Brock Purdy doesn't win the Super Bowl? The 49ers say, "Okay, enough of this." Shanahan says, I'm just going to get Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy's out there, and you can get Brock Purdy. Um, look, I can live with the Justin Fields thing. If you're, you know, Bill Barnwell behind the ESPN paywall this week said maybe you can get him for a high third round pick. If you can yeah. do that, and he's a stopgap guy, or maybe he just needs to get out of Chicago and he gets his career revitalized here, like, okay, he's what, 25, going to be 26, I think, this spring. Um, still young enough, I do still think that there's maybe a higher ceiling with Justin Fields. I could live with that. Even if they ended up signing someone like Russell Wilson, who is good, not great this year, feels like he is a bit washed, or Kirk Cousins, I don't think they're going to spend that kind of money. Even Baker Mayfield, who could be reunited with mm-hmm. Alex Van Pelt. Baker Mayfield is Geno Smith slash Case Keenum. He's had this one year. This is not This I, is not going to continue. But I would caution them if they were to do something like that, though, with more of the veteran guys, the guys that have been around a while, is... So we're going to do 2021 all over again. You're going to spend just so that you get this bump and it feels like they're back. It's just not – you need to think longer term here. So that's why I can live with the Fields thing. He's younger, feels like yeah. he's more upside. Tell me you're still going to draft Brock a, Purdy's young. I don't want anything. Yeah, I can tell you're really down. I threw Brock Purdy in there and you made a face. You made the face I make for Alex Van Pelt. Because we've lived with Brock Purdy the last few years. That's that's I don't want to have to do Mac Jones all over again. It's just Mac Jones with corn. Like I don't I don't and, and more mobility. Yeah, I want nothing to do with Brock Purdy. Okay, all right. Please let me be right about this and let Kansas City win by like. But two I just want to. Can week. I just ask you, like you know, just to you know, I'm going to play Felger facilitator here. Hold your feet to the fire. You said you'd be fine with Baker Mayfield, but you're out on Brock Purdy. I don't get it. Because of the age. So with any of these guys that have been around a while, like Mayfield, yeah. you're telling me you're doing that for like a year or two. Brock Purdy's still young. That If you're making a move for someone like him, that means like you're thinking about him longer term. And I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I just think he's a product of that system. Okay. And these last couple of weeks that that team hasn't ended up losing is just... I think it has more to do about the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions and their playoff Purdy, games. Purdy has far. a lot of moxie. Maybe you haven't heard that. A lot yeah. of moxie. Oh, there. yeah, no. And some of these late uh, late game-winning drives, he's been just like Joe Montana. I've yes. seen this before yeah. from reading some of these <laughs> Niners beat writers. It's an, uh, the, the Brock Purdy, I'm sure he he's, comes off as a very nice kid. Um, the Brock Purdy discourse is re- it's one of those things. It's like I should take a step away from the Internet. This is getting – this is starting to, like, break my <laughs> I brain. I can tell. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> – Oh, God, I, I, the Brock Purdy stuff over the last couple of weeks. Enough. Enough. Oh. Anyway. Um, He's very resilient. I know. could be talked into fields. Um, if yeah. you're telling me you're drafting another project quarterback, be Bo Nix, no thanks. But you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Spencer Penix. Rattler, whatever. Spencer Rattler, I kind of like. J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. If you're taking someone else like that in one of these later rounds, then sure. Yeah, no, I think that's okay. But I just feel like with three, you take the quarterback. So okay. I read this this morning, and I know I, I can't be alone. If the Patriots end up going with Elliot Wolf making their personnel decisions, Jeff Howe from Mobile, Alabama, says if Elliot Wolf running the show, expect the Patriots to give a long, hard look at drafting a left tackle with the number three pick. Does that excite you, Patriots fans, and what has been uh, just, frankly, a, well, a horrible season and just a downward trend these last few years? But it's all new. New coach. Yeah. Uh, some new faces, not all. I would feel like once you blow out Belichick, you'd get rid of everyone, but apparently that's not going to happen. Uh, but what do you think about the the thought of them taking a tackle at number well, three? You know, I'll just say, your boy over here, Jim Murray, is like, man, Alex Van Pelt 
He'll make that tackle a tackle eligible. He'll be swiping his chest and scoring <laughs> nothing but touchdowns. That's what Jim Murray thinks. Yeah. I'm not as down on the Alex Van Pelt thing as other people are. So uh, Chris happens to be one of those people. He can explain. I feel like he's just looked at this uh, with his this Patriots offseason thus far with his nose up. But this Jeff Howe report this morning. You want to weigh in on that? 617-779-0985. It's Gasper Murray here on the Sports Hub. You're listening to Gasper and Murray on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. This is Chris Gasper. I'm not the one who's red-faced and ranting, so who's the baby? This is Big Jim Murray. Takes in your face, sports. And this is Gasper and Murray on Boston's Home for Sports, 98.5 The Sports Hub. If you heard anything about the process, um, you know, last time we talked to you, it's sort of, uh, you know, we talked about the front office, and you know, we were all there when Gerard got hired at the press conference, and you know, Macro was going to be here, Elliot Wolf's going to be here, it looks like Elliot, or excuse me, Macro's down to Senior Bowl this week, which means yep. he's not doing the interviews unless he's on Zoom. Uh, and since they're in person, I'm sure it would just be in person type things. Yep. Is there anybody else in the room with Mayo? Are you hearing anything? Yeah, good, good question, though, and I think it's important um, to me. And this is my view of it, and I don't know if the team would agree with it or not, or if, but I think Elliot Wolf is a key name here. And he's the director of scouting. He's the son of the Pro Football Hall of Famer, Ron Wolf. And I believe that he's positioned himself here as a key guy, almost like the general manager without the title. And, and I got to tell you guys, like, I mean, depending on who you talk to around the league, like, it's a very well-respected front office person. Came up through the Packers. Good organization good system good you see what they've done as they've sort of transitioned from Favre to rogers to love like there's a lot to like there i don't know i i have to say like if my read on this is correct that he's in there with gerard mayo in these interviews i actually think that if you're a fan following the team i would think that would be something you might feel good about um the fact that he wasn't at the the senior bowls though Stood out to me the idea that he's back piecing this thing together. ESPN's Mike Reese on the Zolak and Bertrand this week talking about Elliot Wolf, the announced candidate, maybe taking over as the de facto GM for the New England Patriots this offseason. And an update to that again, if you missed it in the opening segment, Jeff Howe from Mobile, Alabama, writing this morning in house candidate, Elliot Wolf, Matt Groh. You want to get fast, get fast, guys, uh, have been under consideration. <laughs> if it's Wolf running the show, expect the Patriots to give a long, hard look at drafting a left tackle with the number three pick, which I don't love. I think you're that high. For the first time in 30-plus years, you take a quarterback, even if there's major questions surrounding some of these quarterbacks, specifically Drake May and Jaden Daniels. They're offseason overall, the hiring of Alex Van Pelt. Uh, you're not alone. I feel like uh, the Van Pelt thing I'm on an island with. I was like, oh, okay. Could have been I mean, worse. he's fine. I, I I don't hate it. I'm just underwhelmed. But I mean, you're underwhelmed overall with everything that they've done, I feel like. 
Pretty much, yeah. This, I mean, I like Demarcus Covington a lot. I think that's a good hire, but that was kind of a layup. I mean, he's already in your building, and the defense was very good. I'm not really high on Jeremy Springer and with Van Pelt. I just – I wanted somebody that could grow into the – I wanted somebody that people would say, oh, the Patriots found this guy. He's innovative. He's dynamic. I don't think anybody in the NFL looks at Alex Van Pelt and says, oh, that's one of the cutting-edge offensive minds in the league. He's innovative. Has anybody looked at the Cleveland Browns offense the last four years and said, that's a dynamic offense? Do they look at it the way they look at Mike McDaniel with Miami or Ben Johnson in Detroit or Shanahan or McVay? Did you hear anybody, including you know, the people I respect the most who cover the Patriots, people like the great Mike Reese, was anybody saying, because Van Pelt was out there. Yeah, right. He got fired by the Browns. He was available the same way Arthur Smith was available, the same way Luke Getze was available. Was there anybody writing, you know, you know who the Patriots should be talking to on this? Alex Van Pelt. He's the guy. No, that's a fair point. Everyone's been horned up for anyone that has any musk of McVeigh or Shanahan musk on them. And so, you know, what made this a little sobering for me, because when the news broke immediately, uh, you know, uh, Statler and Warloff here, who I'm usually with during the week, were like, this, this sucks, this sucks. I'm like, well, at least he's worked with quarterbacks. It can't what be that quarterbacks? Other than Rodgers, who, like, Nathaniel Hackett worked with Rodgers. How about the job that he did last year? I mean, like, like he, you hear that he was Kevin Stefanski's right-hand man, and they went through how many sides? Five. Five quarterbacks last yeah. year, and they ended up making the playoffs? Like, so he's I have a thought on that. that. Okay. I have a thought on that upon further review uh, on that. One, so, yes, he got five quarterbacks ready to go. But, one, they fired him in Cleveland because they felt like they were not getting enough out of Deshaun Watson. Do you know that since Deshaun Watson went to Cleveland, and look, this could just be on Deshaun Watson, he hasn't had a single 300-yard passing game? Also, so everyone's like, oh, you're going to draft a young quarterback. You, you know, you want to make sure you have a guy who can work with a young quarterback. Well, one of the reasons they went through five quarterbacks was because when they put DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, in there, a rookie quarterback, and I get it, he's a fifth-round pick. He's not the number three overall pick. So I'm just trying to be fair with the facts here. But one of the reasons you ended up with five quarterbacks is because when you went to DTR, the rookie quarterback, Van Pelt didn't really get a lot out of him. He played in eight games. He threw one touchdown pass and four interceptions and completed 53.6% of his passes. So did they play five quarterbacks? And it's like, wow, this guy got five quarterbacks ready? Or would they have only played two or three if he had gotten more out of the quarterbacks that were there? Yeah, maybe that. The Watson thing I put on Watson. You and I watched him, Chris. He is not the same guy, which is... Stunning. Like, I thought being, being out of football for a year, he'd be more refreshed. The legs yeah. would still be there. He's not the same no. guy. And in 12 games and two seasons, Van Pelt coached him, right, or had part of it. They went 8-4. and four. But I just think Watson's been injured and unavailable more than anything else. So I yes, I would him. agree with that. Um, but anyway, but what was more sobering for me, though, was yesterday. Because I was like, oh, I don't see it as b- that bad of a thing. But you're right. No one was mentioning his name. But when Clint Kubiak... Well, again, must get yes. McVay. That's who game, I wanted at the end. Pass game coordinator for the 49ers goes to New Orleans. Do you see that news from Adam Schefter? It was like, oh, uh, uh, I guess uh, that could have been better. Like, yeah, I much would have preferred someone like that. Well, here's the other thing, too. And and this might be a, a bias based on the, pro, on, the, on the process, I fully admit. The longer the process goes, I think the more the anticipation builds and probably the more the expectations increase for what the hire will be. So they went through a pretty lengthy process here to find an offensive coordinator. And you're this close to the Super Bowl, so there obviously are people that you can't full stop, you know, just, okay, this is the hire. Like, you know, Kubiak is going to 
get that job, but it's not a done deal yet because he's getting ready for the Super Bowl with the 49ers. I just felt for them to go through this process, a, a protracted process to find an offensive coordinator, to interview 12, at least 12 candidates, including Van Pelt, and this was the hire, was underwhelming for me. Maybe if they had come to him faster or quicker, at this point, I would have just waited until after the Super Bowl and gotten in a bidding war with the Saints for Kubiak. Yeah, yeah, yeah that might have been the better point. Or the other 49ers guy, they interviewed, I think Brian Flurry, the tight ends coach, they interviewed. The other issue for me with Van Pelt and why I'm not as high on it is while he does have a lot of experience, and I think he's fine, you know, he's he's the version of an unnamed Patriots assistant, Joe Judge, saying that they could win with any of the top 15 quarterbacks. It's like he's like a top 15, 16. In fact, that offense was 16th in the NFL last year. He's like a replacement-level offensive. He's fine. He's not going to screw it up. He's not going to be a disaster. But I don't think he's going to be dynamic. And so if you wait this long, I just want a little bit more. I, I used the analogy yesterday. I know Felger didn't get it. But it's like going on American Idol. You know, sometimes you find, you know, Kerry Underwood or Kelly Clarkson. Uh, sometimes you find, you know, Clay Aiken or like, you know, who's that weird rock and roll guy? Oh, um, uh, the guy that ends up, uh, he now is the, the front man for, um, for, uh, Queen. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Who's uh, that guy? Who is that now? Queen front man. Or, you know, some, or sometimes you get you know, Adam Lambert. Is that Adam Lambert? Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes you get Ruben Studdard. You yeah. know, it's like, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, I just, I just feel like they went through this process and they got someone who's, going to have it has had a respectable career is a respectable offensive coordinator but doesn't really move the needle as much as i needed them to move the needle with this hire or was hoping they would move the needle but and also i'll be honest i'm discriminating against him because he can't fit into the tight pants of all of the best offensive minds in the nfl right now yeah aesthetically he leaves a lot to be desired he doesn't look like he could uh, be in the, in the chain smokers he looks no. like a chain smoker <laughs> who just finished like a, a roast beef three way from uh, from Kelly's, which but, is why I think you yeah. like him. I think you're like, ooh, I like oh, this he's, guy. He's, he's going to have some good food tips. I he, think that's why you're in on this. He's guy. definitely kind of relatable in that sense. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, the stars are just like us. You know who I was thinking of too, as you were mentioning these American idols. Uh, those you know between the some the, some that have made it into big careers, Carrie Underwood. Uh, who is the the old man? Uh, Taylor Hicks. Remember him? He had like the gray oh, hair. Oh, the silver fox. Yeah. Whatever, whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. You, you know, you know Justin Guarini, uh, who obviously didn't win, but you know he's he little, was year one, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, you know he's little sweet in those Dr. Pepper commercials, and he makes like a ton of money for that. Get out of that's, here. That's, that's who that is? That's little sweet, and he makes so much money doing that. It's outrageous. Get out of here. Justin Guarini is little sweet. Oh, I never knew. Th- yeah, that's oh, a little sweet. Son of a bitch, look at this. Yeah. Dr. Pepper mascot, Little Sweet, is just, it's, yes. the, it's the sweet one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he makes so oh, much money doing that. Yeah, I was always wondering. That was another guy. I wonder what the hell happened. I mean, all this yeah. time, right out of my uh, my schnoz, he's been go. Little Sweet. So there you go. I mean, Nick, you know, <clears throat> I, I would put Justin Corini, even though he didn't win, he's more in the Ben Johnson category <laughs> than like an Alex Van Pelt. All right, well, your thoughts on the Patriots offseason, this uh, report this morning, or rumor this morning, uh, that was floated out there by Jeff Howe from Mobile, Alabama, that the Patriots might end up using that number three pick, not on a quarterback, but on a left tackle. Does that excite you? Does that get you all jazzed up? 617-779-0985. I promise we'll get to your calls. Coming up next, here on Gasper and Murray. You're listening to Gasper and Murray on 98.5 The Sports Hub. 
BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Chris Casper. Big Jim Murray. Give me that which I desire. It's Gasper and Murray on Boston's Home for Sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Gasper and Murray, 98.5 The Sports Hub. So before we get to your calls, yeah, we get the TVs uh, going here in the studio. And look, it's kind of a dead part of the year right now. Other than the Celtics, we'll get to kind of at noon. But, you know, I was saying to Chris last night because there was really nothing on. Uh, I actually found myself watching the NHL All-Star Game uh, skills competition, which was hysterical because you've probably, if you've been on the Internet this morning or on any social media, you've seen how Nikita Kucherov completely dogged it and was like F you to the Toronto fans, which uh, as a dick myself, I can kind of appreciate. <laughs> like, I don't want to be here. You're forcing me to be here, so I'm going to half-ass it and boo me, and then I'm just going to wave at you. <laughs> But the NFL has this whole thing, the Pro Bowl games. There's no actual game anymore. It's just like a skills competition going on in Orlando these last few days. I can't believe they have these guys doing this kind of stuff. This this can't be going on live. This has to be from yesterday, I would imagine. I think it is from yesterday. But they had Puka Nakua <laughs> on a boogie board having balls thrown to him by Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. And he's like going off ramps. The Robert Edwards thing when he tore his knee yes. at the beach going yep. back 20 years ago. To, how quick will we are to forget? If I was the GM or even Sean McVay of the Rams and I saw this, I'd grab my chest and, say, and call up and be like, what do we, we found a needle in the haystack when we drafted you this year. You're the best wide, uh, rookie wide receiver in, in, in the game right now or young wide receiver in the game. And you're going off a boogie board off of ramps to cause yeah. what, like a, a viral clip? So he's like, on the wakeboard. He's, he's strapped in. So, the, like, his feet are strapped into the wakeboard. Then it segued to David Njoku, who's one of the better <laughs> tight ends in the game, of the Cleveland Browns. Because of Alex Van Pelt, obviously. Right. Uh, jump, doing, like, backflips like he's a, a professional diver, also trying to catch footballs? These guys are going to get hurt. And to do what? To, to, to get a viral clip? Uh, if I was a GM, or even their agent, I would say, what do you? No! Absolutely not. I can't believe they're allowing this crap. Well, this is what it is. The best catch. They want to win best catch at the... At the Pro Bowl games. Coming up know. next, high stakes. How higher stakes can that be? Yeah, Puka, <laughs> get on the boogie board. Go off this ramp. All right. Uh, we're going to try to get a viral clip of you catching Jimmy Claus, Jimmy Claus, <laughs> throwing you a football. Oh, get out of here with this. I'll tell you, and it's so funny, too, because the first pass Jimmy Clausen threw him was so far it behind him. It was so him. behind him. He had to reach. He's he reaching back backwards. with yeah. his legs strapped into this board. So he's, like, contorting his body. But And also, it starts out, he's, like... There's obviously he's on like the wakeboard, so there's a boat that's like giving him momentum when it starts out, and then he kind of lets go to catch the ball. But he's going in one direction, and he's strapped into the board, and he's contorting his body and trying to t- take all his momentum in the opposite direction of where the board's taking him. I mean, I'm telling you, this is an injury waiting to happen. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a nana, but this is nuts. 
Uh, what's next? Oh, we're going to take some of the smaller wide receivers in the game, some exciting young players. Here's the Patriots, Pop Douglas. We're going to shoot him out of a cannon. <laughs> well, and then he'll catch a football midair. Yeah, from yeah. some uh, from Trent Edwards or someone else. <laughs> like we're going to find these like retread quarterbacks from years past and have them try to catch a ball as you do something stupid that's going to get you. Drew Bledsoe is going to throw this to Pop Douglas. That's wild. <laughs> that is absolutely wild to me. You want to do some of the stuff where they're here's you, Scott Seacools throwing a pass to Pop Douglas. Yeah, where it used to be in the '80s and '90s, they had. The, what was it? The quarterback um, challenge? Yeah, the quarterback challenge. Yeah. Like I've seen some of that stuff. Fine, <laughs> you have that one. That one that we saw where the pass was behind him. Oh, that he was falls so bad. Ass over tea kettle into the into the sea. Oh no, uh, you, you missed that one. Oh, whoops! Get back out there again. <laughs> That's wild to me. All right. Yeah. Well, I digress. Uh, your thoughts on the Patriots offseason? This uh, rumor this morning from Jeff Howe, the Athletic, the Patriots might use that number three pick overall on a left tackle. Adam and Lowell, your first up. Hello, Adam. Hey, guys, I know taking a quarterback high is a crapshoot, but I, I'm sick of people saying if we take a tackle at three, he's automatically going to be our tackle for the next, like, ten years. That's not how it works. Look at the Giants. They took Evan Neal seventh overall, and the guy's a turnstile. I know it's a risk, but I would rather swing for the fences and hit a home run than strike out trying to bunt. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you know, tackle is no lock either, no. I feel like. No. You know, because I feel like because of that position, a guy's size, like, well, you can't miss on a tackle. And to that, I would say, uh, how about the draft 11 years ago when it goes Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel? Do you remember those names? Probably That's not. True. I mean, were... Fisher was okay, but not worth the pick. How about this blast from the past? So I knew you. How about Tony Mandrich? Oh, right. Another one. Remember? Yeah. 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 yeah one of the great busts of all time. Yes. So. Yeah, no, I just like the thought of a quarterback, and odds are he's going to suck too, but so, the excitement of taking that quarterback I, at three. I, I, I'm not big on the – again, I would not take a tackle at three. I would trade down, accumulate more draft capital, and still be in the top ten and, and take the tackle. But my that would be like number three on my list. My, my ranking at this point is – I'm going to assume, assuming Williams and May go one-two, <clears throat> my ranking is one, take Marvin Harrison Jr. Two – You're really high on him. Huh? I am. To take a well, it goes back. I mean, do you want Julio Jones or Jonathan Baldwin? Oh, right, yeah. You know, I mean, he's Julio Jones. Uh, two would be take the Jaden Daniels. A distant third would be taking a tackle. Yeah, the exciting play. If if Marvin Harrison Jr. is that much of a can't miss prospect, I think I can be talked into that. Especially if you're going to end up taking another young quarterback, a project yeah. guy, and then you bring in a bridge guy. And yeah, the, like the Brock Purdy too. after he loses the Super Bowl. <sighs> Or Jacoby Brissett, I can live with that. Maybe. Uh, Larry in Framingham uh, on the Patriots offseason. You're next. Hi, Larry. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, Murray, you just pretty much said what I was going to say. There's no sure thing. It doesn't matter what position you're picking at. Um, I think they need to burn some cash. Uh, they pay They pay Michael Wenyu. They pay Duggar. They franchise Henry. They uh, take Marvin Harrison uh, at three and then uh, sign a, a bridge quarterback. Doesn't really matter to me. Fields, Wilson, uh, Cousins, and then take a Joe Milton later in the, in the draft or something like that. And that pretty much covers you for a couple of years until you can get uh, some more stuff going on. That's what I think we should do. So you and I both saw Joe Milton III in person this past season. He's apparently he's had a pretty good week at the Senior Bowl. I will say... In like, you know, that's an environment where I could see him flourishing because his arm is unbelievable. If, if the Patriots drafted Joe Milton III based on your experience seeing him in person, how would you feel about that? Uh, again, project guy. He's, he's, a, he's huge. He's, he's huge. tall. He's 6'5". Didn't he have a massive injury? 
Wasn't there an injury thing with him in the last couple of years, I feel like? Or am I getting him uh, uh, I don't remember. So I saw him in person. I know you saw him in person I think he's. Well. I think he's he, okay. Yeah, he's fine. I, I don't think he's ever going to be an upper echelon. I think he could be a high-level backup quarterback. Oh, no. You know what? I'm getting him confused with Hooker. Oh, Hendon Hooker, yeah, 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 who's on the Lions behind yeah, yeah. Jared Goff. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, you know, I wasn't wowed, but I could, sure. You know, maybe. Fine. Little Project bit of, guy. A little bit of college football trivia. Hendon Hooker. Tour or really not traits minutia that only a college football addict like me would really care about. Head and Hooker tore his ACL last year playing against Spencer Rattler in South Carolina and oh. a loss for Tennessee. Spencer Rattler, I could be talked into, although he, I mean, but not last of, season, two seasons ago. The offensive line was a problem there. I think he was sacked 40, 41 times, so he's already taken a massive beating. Uh, beating, but uh, I don't think Milton's like I don't think Milton's accurate enough. That was my takeaway. Amazing arm, not he's just not accurate enough. Uh, Tim in Nashua on the Patriots offseason. Hey, Tim. Hey, Chris. I have a question about the GM, yeah. how they kind of skipped apart and then announced the actual OC. Mm-hmm. How is it that you're going to have those two? Is that a direct link to Jonathan? I don't understand how they haven't grow in um, Elliot, Elliot the other Wolf. guy's name. Elliot Wolf. Elliot Wolf. Wolf. Wolf making decisions. To me, that seems spotty. I, I want the sure bet, you know, draft pick or, you know, free agent. Do you feel comfortable with that is basically my question. Over the long, I mean, I don't like the current setup. I think you need to anoint someone. If it's Elliot Wolf, am I comfortable with that? Yes, I like Elliot Wolf. I think if it is Elliot Wolf, they probably bring in somebody from the outside as like in a senior role, maybe again, you know, we don't really do titles here with the Patriots, but on a normal team, you'd have like a general manager and then probably a vice president of player personnel, something like that, who would be beneath him. So let's say Elliot Wolf becomes the GM and then he brings somebody in as VP of player personnel from the outside. I would like that. Uh, I feel like, I, I don't know how you feel about this. Mario. To me, it's just a little awkward if you keep Matt Grow around. I mean, basically, the only way to me I want to keep him around is I want to demote him and just send him back to just doing the college stuff. But I don't know if that works. It just feels awkward. Yeah, I don't like that. I thought, you know, maybe this is me just living in uh, fantasy land, apparently. Like, when Bill was going to be out, like, it's a, flush it all out. Flush him all away. But, like, it feels like there's a lot of remnants here, starting with someone like Matt Crow, who I was like, I just can't get the Taekwon Thornton thing out of my mind. I'm like, oh, you guys really uh, cranking on the film there. You want to get fast? Get fast, guys. Really you're, grinding you're, on, you guys are really grinding on film of Taekwon and Marcus. Y- you're sticking with this guy? Like, yeah. that, you know, no, that bothers me. I think all of those guys should be out. Uh, quick, quick, quickly, just want to read a couple of tweets coming sure. in as we were talking about these uh, Pro Bowl games, which it now feels like it's settled down. They actually have guys just trying to catch passes on a football field rather than the ocean on a boogie board. <laughs> uh, Stan in Hawaii says they're going to have them in the running of the Bulls next year trying to catch <laughs> passes. And Chuck Olson says, I think I messaged you on this. I'm with you on this. It's anxiety-inducing to watch these athletes after knowing what happened to Robert Edwards. Exactly. Like, the, some of the stuff they had, the wide receivers and pass catchers, and, again, David Njoku doing, like, a high dive. Try to catch it, Davu. David. Ah! Broken leg. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, bring out Jamarcus Russell to throw to Stephon Diggs. <laughs> Stephon, we're, on belay, we're going to have you climb a mountain, try to catch the pass. I think this is nuts. Uh, it's, it's, it's negligent is what it is. Uh, all right, well, we have uh, the Sports Up Celtics show coming up at noon. Uh, Chris has some thoughts on the Red Sox. Hey, everyone, Theo Epstein's back, question mark, uh, ish. 
Uh, Chris has some thoughts on that. We'll touch on that. Anything else you want to, uh, you know, chime in on Patriots offseason, the thought of them maybe taking Joe Alt, left tackle at number three, rather than a quarterback? How does that make you feel? 617-779-0985. Chris Gasper, Big Jim Murray. That's an aberration, which I freely admit. Gasper and Murray. I'm drunk. You're gross. Let's go. Returns in a moment on the... Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. This is 98.5 The Sports Hub. Sounds like fact, not opinion to me. And this uh, uh, uh. is Gasper and Murray. All right, long commercial-free segment here of Gasper and Murray, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Segway into the Sports Hub Celtics show coming up in about 10 minutes. Red Sox offseason, not exciting. Um, you know, they're not spending money. It feels like people are apathetic. You can buy tickets for like half off at Costco. Uh, I heard Maz talk about this before. Jared Carabas of DraftKings tweeting about it the, uh, the other day. Like, it's, uh, it's, uh, it feels like all bad. Uh, but Theo Epstein rejoined the Red Sox yesterday. Kind of, sort of. Uh, so he, as far as uh, the press release goes, you read this from Fenway Sports Group, uh, you know, it feels like they were, you know, they, they did their best to point out that Epstein's role as a senior advisor uh, will encompass the Red Sox along with all the other teams and enterprises under the ever-expanding umbrella of Fenway Sports Group. Hooray. Um, it can only help, though, right? Like, you want him involved in some way, shape, or form. I guess the question is, Chris, is how involved is he going to be in the day-to-day with the Boston Red Sox? My feeling is probably not that much. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way. I mean, part of this is, you know, it was a great story that uh, Jen McCaffrey had in The Athletic talking to Sam Kennedy about this. And Sam and Theo go way back, obviously. They're they're great friends, thick as thieves. And Sam saying, you know, Theo will act as a, quote, sounding board and executive coach for Penguins GM Kyle Dubas and new Red Sox chief baseball officer Craig Breslow. And then in this story that Jen has, and I think there's somebody else from the athletic was part of the story with her and Andrew Feifeld. I don't know who that is. I think maybe he's a Liverpool reporter for the athletic. It basically says that the first thing Theo is going to do is help them with finding a replacement for Jurgen Klopp. So uh, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make immediately on the Red Sox. It feels like the off season's already gotten away from them. The most interesting thing about this to me, though, came from another story. Before you go on, though, yeah, so go just ahead. from what you said yeah. there and what Jen wrote, yeah. like the, his first duty of business is finding a new manager for Liverpool. It has nothing to yeah, do with the Red Sox. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I mean, that's what they make it sound like is that's what his first thing will be, helping Mike Gordon find a new manager for Liverpool. Um, they also have to find a new sporting director, which is it doesn't quite translate to American sport, but basically like a GM. Um, so they have to find that person as well. So he'll be involved in that. So I don't know how much immediate impact he'll have on the Red Sox, but I thought the most interesting part of this was something Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam of Mass Live have this story that they put up. And here's a quote from it. And it's the Red Sox finally saying the quiet part out loud about FSG. 
According to people with an understanding of the arrangement between Epstein and the Red Sox, he was brought back into the fold, at least in part due to Red Sox ownership privately acknowledging that they have, at times, not given the club the attention it has deserved in recent years as the FSG portfolio has rapidly grown. Do, do we all feel vindicated now? All the times that they were like, no, same focus, same passion, same desire. No, now it's right there in the story. Yeah, they become distracted by FSG. What's going on with the FSG? And just as a sports fan, I think generally speaking, you know, I, I'm not a business person, Jim. I don't have a ton of money. So when I look at these sports teams, I look at them as toys for rich people. To me, it's no different from a yacht. I'm not out there asking my yacht to make money but i get it you can make money owning a sports team but i think when you start to shift the ownership of a sports team when you shift that mission from passion and winning to maximizing optimizing the business component of it and the profit part of it i never think that's good for you as a fan yeah it's i think it was clear as day that they didn't care about it as much as they did when they first got here that's evidence so yeah no it's nice to finally get that admission i mean our eyes work it's clear like yeah. they don't care about the red sox the way that they once did so what theo webstein is basically then just kind of a pr move in that aspect um uh, a buddy of mine sent me this long email to the other he made a good point so maybe theo being part of this getting equity in fsg they just get this golf this golf deal done is there any – he made this long, very long – I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he basically made the case of that, look, John Herdner, he's not good in terms of being um, in front of the cameras and microphones anymore. It's clear he doesn't want to do it. The rest of the ownership group, when they do, they're fumbling around. It's like humana, humana, humana. Is Theo Epstein being brought in to be the face of this, getting equity so that they can – they can put it up for sale or start an IPO. So, like, yeah, you know, this is Liverpool, Penguins in the NHL, RFK Racing. Nesson, Red Sox, PGA Tour, they have this, is he going to be basically be the front man of this? He makes this case, and think about it, may, I, you know, is, is, is this maybe what's going on? That Theo Epstein's basically going to be the CEO, the front man of this, to help it more sellable. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I would sort of wonder what is Sam Kennedy's role in that. I, I'm wondering if maybe part of this is, uh, I think the ideal scenario, if you're a Red Sox fan, is that, Theo Epstein ends up basically running the Red Sox. He ends up as what his former boss used to be, Larry Lucchino. And when John Henry came into the old Sports Hub studios and said to Felger, Maz, and Beetle, Larry Lucchino runs the Red Sox. Best case scenario for me is that ends up being Theo Epstein. That basically he ends up running the Red Sox, having all the power the same way Larry did for all those years. I think that is your best case scenario. Uh, part of me thinks they're luring him back in with a senior advisor at, you know, sort of nebulous FSG role. And then they're going to try and really, I think, focus him to the Red Sox. Remember now he was still involved in baseball. He was on the competition committee. He was helping the commissioner's office with all these rules changes. So it's not like he hasn't been involved in baseball. He just doesn't want to do the day-to-day -day grind of being a chief baseball officer or president of baseball operations thing, but he could still make a major impact in player personnel and on a franchise if he basically were running the team. I don't know how that would work because Sam Kennedy is the president and CEO, but what if you sort of said, you know, hey, Sam, we want to focus you more on overall FSG and Theo is going to be president, CEO of the Red Sox and run the team. I mean, for fans, I think that'd be the best case scenario, right? It feels like to me he would probably be more proactive. I think he cares about it, or I'd like to think that he cares about it. He once did, so try to turn it around. All I know is this. I don't remember it being this bad and this low in terms of public perception, 
there's real apathy. It's apathy and anger. And I don't even know if the anger is as much as the apathy at this point. Like this week. It's like resignation as well. People are just resigned. Yeah, yeah. So Justin Turner, and he said yesterday in a Zoom call with the media, that returning to the Red Sox for him was a no-brainer. And he was one of the bright spots. He was. A down year for them last year. Fun guy. But he said negotiations never got off the ground. Like that to me, like this team has really hit rock bottom. Like you know that, you know, you don't have a lot of asses and seats players. You don't have a lot of reason for people to tune in, at least at home. Your ratings have dipped from the TV standpoint. Like Justin, people like Justin Turner. Wouldn't you sign Justin Turner? No, negotiations never got off the ground. Like this is, this is as low as it gets. Like they don't want to spend at all. Yeah, and and that decision, I will. So in their defense, I agree with everything you're saying. In their defense, I'm not sure that decision was entirely financial because Breslow came in right away and was like, "I want to leave the DH spot open to rotate players through." And they also have been sort of, at least gauging the temperature of the market for Masataka Yoshida. And I think after a year of Yoshida, it's like he needs to spend some time at DH. So I think when you look at it from that standpoint, I can understand why Turner maybe wasn't appealing to them. But you're right. In the overall mosaic of the offseason, it's yet another situation where there's talent out there and they'd have to maybe go outside their comfort zone, whether that's philosophically or financially, to obtain that talent. And they're wholly unwilling to do it. Yeah, I mean, that full throttle thing, what a crock. And even me, too. I feel like such a sucker because after as bad as last year got and all the, you know, the tough talk and hearing full throttle, it's like, okay, we've seen this before and there's been massive dips with this team. They come back, they spend a ton of money, and yeah, just like that, they're relevant again. I thought that was going to happen. Hell, I even thought they might be in an Otani. Uh, what an idiot I am. Like, they've done, they've done less than nothing, Chris. Like, it's even worse than I think most people thought it could have been. Yeah, I mean, unless I know some people are holding out hope. I doubt it, but they're holding out hope that maybe Theo can convince ownership to go get Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell or I can't see Cody Bellinger because they already have a ton of left-handed uh, hitting outfielders. Or Matt Chapman's probably not a fit for them either, so it's really just the pitchers. But those are the premier free agents out there. This also wasn't like a great week for them. We can get into this more uh, at the 1 o'clock hour after – the Sports Up Celtics show, but a couple of things happened this week that weren't great for them. One, the Orioles change hands in terms of ownership and then immediately make that trade for, for Corbin, Corbin Burns. Burns. Yeah. And and they didn't give up like a ton to do it. Also, this week, both Kylie McDaniel and Baseball America came out with their farm system rankings. Uh, Baseball America took a big step back with the Red Sox. Basically, Baseball America was like, sorry, our bad. We were wrong. They don't have a top five farm system. They ranked them 13th. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes. And Kylie McDaniel also ranked them 13th. Oh. Which is fine, but I mean, the way they talk about their farm system, you'd think they have the best farms. But not only to- were they 13th, they were behind both the Orioles and the Yankees. I think the race. So I think they were fourth in the American League East in Kylie McDaniel's ranking. It has to be because of lack of pitching. Did you? Ex- right? It's all because of lack of pitching. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, things are looking bright for your Red Sox. But Theo Epstein's back, kind of, sort of. All right, well, it's time to segue into the Celtics, who um, I also am starting to feel like a bit of a sucker about. Uh, So I know that Chris thinks I'm being a little bit too too hard on them right now, but it's been a couple ugly losses in the last week. They haven't looked right for the last few weeks. Uh, as I look up here and see that uh, now that they have the NFL players down out at a golf course, yeah, closest to the pin yeah. after after high stakes, which was anything but. Quick, we're gonna throw uh, we're gonna throw a nine iron a nine iron <laughs> at you, Pukunakua. Catch the ball uh, and the nine iron yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Headlines here, and then uh, we'll get into the Celtics for the next hour here on ninety eight five the Sports Zone. <laughs>